Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Chris Gutierrez. Super excited to bring you another episode. Stay tuned. This podcast show does not constitute legal advice. Thank you to our show sponsor, Strike National Investigations. Obsessed with results, powered by facts. In today's episode. Well, I, I will tell you this. I, I had one case that uh, inspired the summit that we're putting on CFSC for certified forensic slip expert program. And this was a case in Las Vegas um, at a, one larger hotel as well as a newer hotel. Hey, Bill. It's uh, great to have you on the show. How's it going? Hi, Chris. Uh, thanks a lot for having me as a part of the uh, podcast, and I'm excited to have a little discussion with you. Yeah, no, super excited to have you here. You know, I... Uh, I've, I've seen you around in the industry for uh, a lot of years uh, back in my SIU days. And, um, you know, definitely uh, you're well-respected and well-known. Um, but just for the audience that, you know, some of the people that may be listening uh, to this podcast that may not know who you are, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, who you are, what your company does? Sure. Um, again, my name is Bill King, and I'm privileged to be the president and CEO of Impact General. Impact General is a forensic engineering and sciences company. We've actually been around since 1977. We have a little over 55,000 cases worth of experience. And uh, we mostly have worked with uh, insurance companies, their attorneys. <clears throat> we also work with the plaintiff attorneys. So we're a uh, forensic support mechanism to those entities um, and find ourselves in all types of uh, litigated scenarios from property science issues, public safety, environmental construction. Uh, we have an automotive sciences department, so we do a lot of collision reconstruction, uh, biomechanical engineering analyses, uh, and other case types that uh, you know serve that expert witness role. And that's what we've been doing uh, for our career. And we specialized in it and uh, have a lot of experience in that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, well, yes. And I'm not one of the original founding uh, principals, but uh, I've been around with the firm for about 30 years. Awesome. 1977. Uh, that's a long time. What is that going like on 50 years? yeah that's awesome uh yeah that's that's uh that's a long time and and i i think that in itself says a lot about the the company right you know if a, if a business is around for that long you must be doing something good and and um and, and i know you guys crush it so that's great. Um, so um, I want to specifically talk to you a little bit about uh, slip and fall claims. I know that that's something that falls within uh, the umbrella and it's it's not, you know, it's more seen on liability cases, maybe on the general liability side. 
Well, uh, I mean, the slip and fall case has always been around filing um, uh, a claim. Sort of uh, what other type of uh, claims are you seeing as and, far as uh, slip and it's fall? It's really only um, second when, to when automobile um, accidents in terms of to cost to the insurance industry. So it's it's a significant claim type. And our involvement has been, again, in the forensic role to evaluate why and how somebody slips. And then the insurance company, with that analysis, can make some liability decisions, whether they need to pay that claim or perhaps... Uh, not, um, but make their judgment calls based on what actually happened. And so our role has been traditionally trying to figure out the cause. And so a slip and fall is uh, not as uh, one-dimensional as one may think, that somebody walks onto a hard walking surface, for example, and there's, you know, uh, a puddle of water and and, and that's the cause of the fall because they slipped on a wet surface. Many times it's so much more complicated and there's more uh, facets to that case to determine why that person slipped even though the floor was wet. And it could be anything from lighting to maintenance issues and to even the shoe wear that the person that slipped was wearing at the time. So. We have to look at all these facets, and as a result, that case type, when evaluating the forensic uh, cause, uh, actually it can be rather complex. And if there's one thing I could say about that particular claim scenario and that type of case is indeed that uh, it's a multidimensional issue, <laughs> not, not one dimension. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, and I know that, you know, we, in a perfect scenario, you would have some sort of video surveillance of the incident. You will have some sort of like witness testimony and, and, and other factors of information that would allow you to help, um, conduct your analysis. But, um, tell, what about, what about like those situations when you don't have video surveillance? And maybe you don't have witness statements. Well, um, I mean, how much you know, more, more complex more we does are it really get to be able to analyze uh, that? And like, occur, what are, what are some of the falls, hurdles that, that you guys have seen other in the past? Uh, surveillance with, um, cameras, you know, with a, that lack of information to be able to do a proper analysis, determining what actually happened, and uh, they are a feature to any case. Um, but even with a surveillance camera, you still have to determine other facets that aren't just on that video. Um, so yes, it's a powerful tool, but it's not always the, uh, the answer to the case in terms of why and how and who's responsible. But if we don't have that, uh, the other aspects to why somebody's going to slip um, can be, again, multifold. And one area that we've put a lot of attention, however, though, is actually the friction level of the walkway surface, right? So if somebody claims they slipped, they're claiming that the floor was slippery for one reason or another. And the only way to figure out whether that floor had enough traction to prevent a slip or potentially could have caused or contributed to a slip is to measure the friction level of that walkway surface. 
And so that many times can be a, uh, a root cause of a fall is the fact that the floor was poorly designed, poorly maintained, um, or just the wrong surface type for the application. And But again, the only way to make that call is to measure the friction level. And the measurement is done through uh, what is termed tribometry or tribology. But tribometers are the meters that measure the friction level of a walkway surface. And they can tell us where we fall in terms of traction level. Is it high traction, moderate traction, or low traction? And um, so it's a quantitative analysis and it gives us a number and we can assign the degree of slipperiness to that floor and also that consequently determine if it caused or contributed to somebody slipping. Right, right. And one thing that we were talking about um, off off the line was uh, the type of equipment and devices that are utilized to be able to uh, measure that friction properly, right? And and one of the things that stood out to me was uh, that you mentioned that there's there's a variation of devices out there, but if you were to use all of these devices and you were to take measurements of the same flooring, you would still get different um, results. And so tell us, let's, let's, let's uh, share that a little bit with the audience. Like, why is it that you would get cause. different results? Some of the applications used different, to help determine the uh, you know, cause devices if are they're measuring it against the same well. flooring. And so that comes into the, uh, the many types of machines that are used to measure the friction level of the walkway surface. And uh, again, this approach is called tribometry, and there are many tribometers out there. Uh, there's probably 11 popular machines that are used in the United States that can go on any given case. And unfortunately, and this has been proven out in scientific studies, that this, the, the tribometers across this uh, field uh, these 11 tie meters all will get different numbers on the same tile surface. Why is that? Well, there are different designs. Uh, there's different ways of using the machines. And even the standards that are out there can't have an effect in terms of the number that you're going to achieve. So as an insurance company or an attorney, anybody that's retaining an expert to go out and measure the friction level of a walkway surface needs to be aware that you have to approach it correctly and make sure that your expert has an understanding of the type of machine that he's using and can back up how it measures the friction level to ensure that there's following sound scientific principles and physics to come up with their numbers. And uh, that's a little bit of a rabbit hole, Chris, that we can talk about further, but it gets a little more complex. But just, uh, you know, at this point, we just need to be at least aware that these machines do indeed get different numbers and it's all because of their design and, and features and, yeah. uh, and, and some of the physics concerns that some of these designs have caused 
And uh, so, you know, really measuring the friction level of a walkway surface is actually rather simple. It's not a complex formula. It's just a matter of creating a ratio of two forces. You've got a, um, when you measure a floor and you drag something across that floor to measure it, you you're have two forces interacting. One is gravity holding your device onto that floor and then a horizontal force to get it to slide across that floor. And the machine that does that most um, elegantly and uh, precisely is going to be the machine that you want to use uh, and that you can also prove that is the approach that the machine um, has integrated into its system design so that the expert can be fully defensible in terms of the numbers that he achieved and is presenting to his client. Yeah, totally. Well, you know, and just to build up on that, um, do do you find that these different uh, turbometers, um, that the results that they're uh, that they're producing, um, it's uh, it's large and and it varies a lot. So, is it large enough where it could make the determination? Um, it can make the difference in you know, for example, accepting a claim or denying a claim where. Um, in terms of liability, I think that's what a lot of the audience that are listening are are going to start wondering. You know, if I if I retain one expert and their device, um, or they come up uh, with certain measurements, um, but then I retain another expert and they're using a complete uh, different it absolutely device, does and that gives a complete different measurement. The outcome Have you seen over the years claim. that those measurements um, could in be fact, uh, very well the phrase apart in, 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 uh, um, in, in this type of litigation, this litigation could affect the outcome of the claim? To, as far as trial, um, that what the meters are tending to create is a battle of the expert scenario. Uh, as one expert saying that the floor is high traction, another floor, expert's coming in and measure that same floor in the same condition and says that it's low traction. It's slippery. It's what caused the slip. And depending on the machine that you're going right. to use, you can actually uh, pick and choose. If you want to find numbers that are high, you could use machine number A, letter A. If you want to uh, find that the floor is slippery, you may choose a separate machine B and uh, come up with a different number. So it's a, um, a tricky situation, and indeed the meters are causing this problem. And one of the reasons why I'm so familiar with the slip and fall industry is to help affect or improve this situation. And um, one of the ways that we've done that is uh, one of our engineers here at Impact General has designed a, a new machine to take a better physics approach that's fully defensible and uh, easy to use, uh, that uh, is irrefutable in terms of what it does and how it does it, to come up with Yeah, yeah, and that's... 
Yeah, and that's the that's the GS one, right? That's what I wanted to 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 touch base on. So what what makes uh uh what makes the GS one um uh you know what the the measurements that are obtained through this device what makes them more reliable versus because it sounds like the other devices in aware of I don't want to say bias, but it sounds like depending on what type of what type of outcome you want you you would pick uh you know you would pick and choose from the devices but certainly the you know from from our conversation previously the the gs1 that you and your team were able to manufacture um is you know has a lot of implementation where it removes that that bias component and you know it gives you more of a, a re well, reliable uh, calculations. It's, it so, does get a little um, more involved. Without going and, too much uh, in the weeds and, and sharing too much details about it, the device, there's a couple what of are like some of the components that, our that meter is an approved makes meter it a little bit with more the National Forest Safety okay. Institute. And we're not the only meter that's an approved meter. And some can, anybody can go into uh, NFSI's website uh, and look at the mach machines that are approved. There's um, a couple of <clears throat> several. Um, but in terms of the GS1, we designed a system that interfaces with software and has um, precise mechanical um, activation and uh, measures these two forces that I had mentioned <clears throat> in a very precise way. So our gravity force and our horizontal force. And... Uh, there's problems with trebometry uh, that are well known, and, and what we managed to simply do is design those out of our system so that we are no longer working with antiquated concepts and ideas and concerns. We, we've eliminated those issues and, and put together a system that works flawlessly in terms of what it's designed to do. Yeah, I mean, we've been using the GS1 as Impact General on our forensic work for the last five, six years. Um, and, of course, the That's GS1 awesome. is so, available um, for sale. Have you guys so uh, been implementing the, the GS1 country. already? Into and the your, world, uh, in fact. Into we, your cases? We, uh, U.S. Embassy across the world. Uh, that The U.S. Embassies are measured using the GS1. We oh, just wow. sold a uh, meter to a company located out in Vietnam. But all across the United States, um, there are users of GS1s, and they're all very pleased with the way the machine works, the time it saves in the field. But most importantly, that they're comfortable with how the numbers are achieved and the precision there. And so that if ever they are um, required to testify as to how they came up with their numbers, now they have a system that they could competently describe, know how it works, and why the numbers are so precise. Yeah, that's that's great stuff. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit uh, and to talk about early intervention. You know, this this was something that. Uh, we had talked about and, and you mentioned that it makes a difference when an insurance company um, or or somebody facing a, a slip and fall claim uh, 
wants to retain an expert and, and seeks your services, uh, you mentioned a little bit that being able to have um, investigators out there and collect um, some preliminary information um, would allow you know for a better, well, better analysis on your end. Um, what, what type of that's a big um, question, but I, you know, I will what tell you this: information, that um, the earlier would really the benefit okay. or would set you up um, for success if somebody were to retain you and your team um, as an expert. A super concern on the part of an insurance company, they or even you know the plaintiff, but they recognize that somebody slipped, and we kind of accept that. Hey, it's even on surveillance right. camera, and. Uh, let's go ahead and either pay the claim or deny the claim. Um, but when there's a red flag uh, in terms of liability or there's a red flag that even the slip occurred as being reported, maybe they're suspect that it, it's you know a staged slip. Uh, and in those scenarios, you know you want to get out there as soon as possible to document the scene, take your photographs, take your witness statements. Um, preserving evidence in that way. And, you know, one of the right. strongest components when we receive an assignment in terms of documentation uh, is when we have um, an investigator's report, you know, either an adjuster who's gone out and done a scene inspection, uh, documented uh, the uh, environment, did witness statement taking and other techniques to build a case, right? Uh, and conserve that information because many times, by the time a forensic engineer gets involved, that slip and fall might be a year or two old. And so these reports that we get either through a private investigator or an adjuster who's managed to get totally. out from the cubicle and get out in the field, um, that is just so powerful. And it gives yep. us a lot of information uh, that we may not have an opportunity to even view because the amount of time that goes by. So, yeah, have, working with private investigators so you can get out to the scene and ask the right questions, document the scene properly, and identify red flags for their clients that, hey, maybe this didn't happen as reported, or maybe we can pursue some type of subrogation or liability decisions that you know should be made. Uh, due to what uh, they're finding out in the field. And, and so that's a critical component to all of this. Yeah, absolutely. Or even being able to um, expedite the involvement of a forensic expert, right? Like, uh, like you and your team, cause, uh, um, you know, with, without talking too much about it, but like through my firm, um, strike national investigations, we work with insurance companies and, um, you know, that's, we, we can't stress enough, like the importance of early intervention, being able to like get us out there and start documenting the scene as quickly as possible. Um, so that one, you know, like you mentioned, being able to identify, areas of, of opportunity to pursue third parties through subrogation or maybe you know in some other type of claims like in workers compensation being able to determine maybe some apportionment avenues uh, but also being able to determine hey you know what there's some questionable component about this claim or something's just not making sense you may want to get you know a forensic expert involved 
and uh, and 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 come and do an analysis of of this. So, um, so you know, for for some of the audience uh, listening to, to to this show, they they might wonder uh, what are some qualifications or or well, training that somebody needs to be able to become range uh, a forensic expert, background, particularly let's say with slip and falls. Like, what what like would somebody need? career-wise to be um, able to get most of them and, and be able to do it successfully. Or have a safety background in some degree. Um, training in terms of keeping a building safe for their occupants, whether they're employees or customers that are coming into a store. Um, so also um, having an understanding of some basic physics and perhaps uh, engineering principles. Um, but any of those types of experts that will want to get involved in, in slip and fall analyses probably have uh, a leg up over others and um, also an understanding of trebometry and how trebometers work. But again, as I said, um, slip and falls are um, multifaceted. So the other sciences that can play a role are human factors, which studies how People who are, um, you know, within a particular environment react within that environment. It deals with uh, time and reaction to stimulus in areas such as a hallway or a walkway or a stairwell. Um, and so it relates to signage. Yeah. And when a sign is placed, are we visibly going to see it? Or are we going to just walk right by it? So uh, understanding of human factors and how humans react in their environments is a, a key discipline in all of this as well. Uh, biomechanical engineering also can play a role in a slip and fall case when you're questioning the uh, injury. Is you know It's one thing to slip and fall, and maybe we have that right on video, and we have witness statements that, yeah, we had a slippery floor, in fact, and uh, it comes out measures that it was low traction and everything aligns in that way that there was a slip and it's a legitimate slip and the building owner unfortunately is going to be responsible but what about the injury is the injury that they're claiming consistent with the fall and it may or may not be and biomechanics can get into what injury is being claimed and then look at the physics of the fall yeah. and the forces involved and determine whether they are consistent and was there a mechanism consistent with causing the specifically claimed injury. Um, also even building code experts uh, can or sh should at times play a role on a slip and fall case or even a trip and fall. And I sometimes group those two together, slips and trips uh, they kind of happen, um, you know, about even, you know, we, we slip as much as we trip. And so uh, the trip could be due to a construction defect uh, in the uh, walkway. Yeah. It could be due to a design flaw or a code violation uh, in terms of the stairs and handrails and lighting and other aspects to the case. So these are all disciplines that can play a role in a, a slip or trip and uh, should be evaluated whether one or all of those expertise uh, should play a role in a particular case.
Yeah. And this is, this is all like, uh, super important, right? Cause what it, what it all translates to for, uh, for an insurance company is ultimately, are, are we going to pay the dollars or not? Or are we going to pay all of the dollars or, and, or can we divide the cost with somebody else that also has some sort of liability? Right. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of, um, it, it's a very important, uh, segment. And, and I think that to some degree, it, it's also underutilized, you know, um, I, I find, and, you know, I'm curious on your thoughts on this, but I find that ever since like the show CSI was like released, juries tend to want to see more forensic, um, evidence and more forensic, uh, uh, approaches during a case. Now they expect to see things like blood spatter analysis. They expect to see like a slip and fall, you know, and, uh, travometers, like you mentioned, and like the, the friction levels, they, they like to see all that stuff. And, and, well, um, I, I fully and, agree. And not just them I, I like to see it, but, wonder, you know, if, if insurance companies and attorneys are able to get the right experts the public, involved, forensics obviously that's going to make a, you know, course, uh, it's, a, it's a deal breaker. A little bit um, sensational, for, but for a lot of cases. And too. typically dealing with, uh, you know, criminal aspects. Um, we're, we're civil, but, uh, <laughs> you know, some of our cases do go into the criminal arena because we proved that it didn't happen. And in fact, it's, it's a stage slip or a stage fall, and, yeah. and that's insurance fraud. So people could go to jail for that. And uh, But yeah, it, it's, it helps to have a jury that is somewhat educated on the role that we're playing as uh, experts on particular cases. And um, I think it's, <laughs> it's done well for us in, in that yeah. respect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I want to, I want to, I think it's a, it's a good opportunity to, um, you know, since we were talking about the qualifications and the type of training that somebody would need to be able to conduct these, uh, forensic, uh, slip and fall analysis. Um, and I think it's a good opportunity, you know, to be able to share, uh, the upcoming training right in February, uh, 2024, um, I'll let you touch base a little bit more on what the training is. Um, and we're certainly going to be pushing out some, uh, uh, information through email and it's going to be on our website too, because it is something that, um, us as the Institute, we're endorsing it too, because we know this stuff works and, 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 uh, and we know the people that are teaching it, which is eventually you and essentially you and your team. Uh, we know that you guys well, I, I'd happy know to. what and, you're talking about. We so, are, uh, do you mind just sharing a, a little bit about like this upcoming training class and what somebody registering for this training um, should anticipate which is learning certified and what forensic would they get out slip of it? expert certification. And the reason why this class has been developed is, as I mentioned earlier, we have this kind of battle of the experts scenario where... Um, you know, we're not serving the industry well as experts when we have this variance in approaches, whether it be following a particular standard or using a particular machine in terms of trigonometry that is producing varied numbers depending on the approach. And so the, the class is designed to narrow the variance in the science and educate the experts uh, or anybody that's playing a role in a slip and fall case, and that could be from the attorneys, the adjusters, risk managers, 
uh, private investigators are going out and, and investigating these case types and, and the experts themselves, okay, that are going to serve that are going to serve as a an expert witness in a courtroom. And so, if you're going to serve as an expert witness in a courtroom, you, you better uh, dot the i's and cross the t's and ensure that the science is uh, proper science is being applied to your case, and uh, you are uh, you and you can fully defend yourself in your in your approach, but. Essentially, the class is to educate on all these points and to uh, empower the expert to feel more comfortable in the courtroom as to why he took the particular approach on a particular case and opined it in a certain way. And uh, again, uh, our overall objective is to narrow the variance that currently is, in my opinion, kind of the wild, wild west of slip and fall investigations in our country. We just have not there yet. A lot of really good work. I, I will point out though, when I make that statement, a lot of good work has been done to indeed, uh, you know, bring quality standards to the table, uh, bring yeah. uh, better equipment. Yeah. And that those steps are being made. Uh, but this seminar is going to bring all of that information to the table and kind of accumulated into two days worth of training and education and hopefully, uh, you know, empower those experts so that they can go out and do their jobs with more confidence, more accuracy, and serve our clients better. Yeah, such a great opportunity, Nua, and especially, you know, it being centralized in Orange County area, I I could I could just imagine how beneficial this would be for not only obviously uh, you know, um other experts in the industry, but um private investigators, right? Uh obtaining this type of certification and, and being able to conduct this type of analysis, SIU investigators, risk managers, right? They're on the employer side. And a lot of risk managers, especially those that have uh, different exposures, um, you know, maybe they have storefronts, restaurants, being able to have this qualification and this knowledge so that if a slip and fall or trip and fall does occur, then being able to just go out to that restaurant right away and being able to start and, conducting and listen, if there, this if analysis are, and being able to determine uh, do we need to conduct to further investigation work, or not. You know, the field I mean, that in itself could save this they employer should have an awareness of um, a lot of money. What approaches should that determination take? Um, and especially on. today when there are such varied approaches to slip and fall and forensically evaluate. So now it's really, it's up to the expert to serve his client well, but it's up to the client to make sure that they've got the right individual doing their casework so they don't find that that expert's going to get disqualified once the case goes to trial and a quality opposing yeah. attorney, you know, finds out his flaws. Yeah, yeah. No, and you and you bring up an excellent point, um, which which I had in mind that, 
you know, just being able to have that training and those qualifications to do the initial analysis and then being able to determine, do I need to get an expert involved to, you know, through more of a thorough analysis or, or, or just do an independent analysis. I want to say independent because a lot of times what could arise in court too is that if the employer itself is the one doing this analysis, the the the, the opposing counsel could bring up the, uh, the card of bias, right? Well, you derive out of this conclusion because you're the one that it's becoming affected, you know, or not based on the results. So you're going to be biased, but, uh, you know, based on your own investigation. So being able to uh, analyze early on and being able to determine, okay, do I need to get, you know, uh, uh, independent private investigations firm involved to start collecting the, uh, the information and then being able to retain an independent expert, forensic expert to, you know, conduct an independent analysis those, you know, those two things combined are going to set you up for success and, and being able to, you know, uh, make your, your, uh, your argument or your defense much stronger. Absolutely. But just yeah. having Objectivity the knowledge, is, is like very you said, having the knowledge of what are these even experts talking about and what, what should I anticipate to see evaluated uh, a good, uh, from a good analysis advocacy really uh, is, that goes is along experts. Way. We're not advocates like the attorneys are. Okay. And so we to objectively go in there and apply the science regardless. Uh, there are no variables to the truth, and that's what we're trying to figure out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, everybody loves a good uh, war story, right? Do you have any like uh, short stories of, uh, you know, maybe uh, something where an insurance company or some client retain your services and, and then it just, the, the, you know, your analysis just took a complete different route as far as your, your findings? Well, I, I will tell you this. I, I had one case that, um, inspired the seminar that we're putting on the CFSC program, the Certified Forensic State mm. uh, Slip Expert program. Uh, and this was a case in Las Vegas um, at a one of the larger hotels, well, it's a newer hotel, and it was a slip and fall. And in fact, it was caught on surveillance camp. So the whole situation was videotaped. And it was raining that day. This is an exterior walkway surface on uh, it was constructed out of concrete, and uh, the hotel had put out beautiful safety cones, had plenty of them, to go from the parking lot to the entrance to the hotel, um, which was a side entrance, but it was an entrance for um, customers as well as employees. This guy was an employee of one of the restaurants inside the hotel. And uh, sure enough, you know, people are ambulating right across the walkway uh, from the parking lot into the front door. And we could see all this on the surveillance camera. And uh, But the concrete was wet. It was raining. And this guy, plaintiff, walked across. Um, and sure enough, he, he slipped. But there were aspects to his slip uh, that we also caught on video. And that was the fact that um, his gait was um, extended, so you know his left foot and then right foot 
was um, extended out beyond what your average stride might be. And the reason for yeah. that was he was a half an hour late to work. And we found that out with one of the investigators reports. Hmm. Um, and so he was hustling. Okay. And he also had a, uh, a large, uh, bag that he was holding in his right hand that would swing with each stride back and forth. And he had a backpack on, uh, and he had carried uh, items in the backpack. And so, all of these have an effect. Our gait, our center of gravity, um, you know, how fast we're walking, the fact that the floor was wet. Um, and then the next component of this case was to evaluate the slipperiness of the walkway surface. So we uh, went out and did a measurement, and we found that you know this was cone concrete. It, it, it had a high traction. And numerically, it gave us um, about a, a 0.7, which is considered a high traction. And um, so our, our analysis showed that uh, the, the concrete surface in and of itself did not cause this guy's slip. He slipped for other reasons. And our analysis went into those other reasons, which were the, the stride, the gait, the uh, center of gravity being lifted up higher on the body. Normally, our center of gravity is right about... A, where our waist is. And so his was higher. And plus he's swinging a bag. And so all of these factors uh, contributed to just losing his balance more than anything else. And uh, so from a uh, kind of a physics perspective, we were able to opine on that. But the opposing side had also an expert and they went out and measured using a particular device. And that device came back, when I say device, trabometer, came back with a uh, a number that said that this wet concrete surface was actually slippery. And so uh, that's the reason why he slipped. And and so that's kind of a case scenario that we get into, uh, I see all the time. And again, it's your classic battle of the experts. And this case wound up, wound up settling uh, where I wish I would have went to trial because uh, we could have pointed out some important scientific principles to the courts and get the judges educated, get the attorneys educated. And we're getting there. Uh, we're approaching it. And uh, this CFSC class is a part of that, one of the mechanisms for that objective. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great story. And, uh, and it certainly sheds light on the importance, right, of being able to uh, um, you know, uh, take these type of trainings and, and, and being able to, uh, uh, to be equipped with all of the knowledge, uh, to, to, to know, um, when you need an expert involved and, um, and even what type of expert to get involved, right. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to, to be a little bit better, uh, equipped to, to understand the different qualifications. Um, as we're wrapping this up, uh, Bill, one of the questions that I always ask everybody as being obviously, uh, you know, an, an, an online institute education uh, specifically for investigations, um, you know, all types of investigations. I always like to ask everybody, why is education important? Why do you think education is important and why should people continue to pursue um, education? And not necessarily when I say education doesn't necessarily have to be like a like a traditional four-year degree or a PhD, uh, but why just why is education in general um, important? 
Well, let's let's narrow that down to just our industry, and uh, whether you're an investigator, a forensic expert, an adjuster, attorney, playing a role. Um, I've been in this business for you know, like I said, thirty years, and uh, as president and CEO of Impact General. <laughs> Every day I come into my office, I'm learning something new because every case is very, very different. And uh, that's one aspect of my career that I, I'll just never get a handle that I feel like I know everything because I absolutely do not. Yeah. And um, if you're going to remain competitive and you want to excel in this industry, um, given its complexity, from legal to technical to just dealing with your customer, whether that be an insured or somebody else. Um, it is one of the most fascinating uh, jobs and roles that anybody can play. And it's uh, one of the most sophisticated as well. I mean, I, I look at our cases that we handle as, um, you know, surgery. Every file is, is, is as important as, uh, you know, surgery. And um, though it's not necessarily always life and death, sometimes it, it can be, especially when you're dealing with slip and fall work, okay? If somebody slips, yeah. I mean, and injures themselves, it's, it's catastrophic at times. So uh, we can never stop learning. And uh, if you want to maintain yourself in the industry and elevate in the industry, uh, Education is your key, and you want to develop those little bullet points in your resume to uh, get up to where you want to be and, and, and maintain a competitive edge, for sure. Yeah, totally. No, I, I agree with all of that stuff, and uh, and I certainly relate with you. You know, it's uh, be, being an expert is not necessarily just uh, obtaining a certification and just relaxing and, and, and you all of a sudden know it all is you, you really need to stay on top of things, right? Because uh, the industry changes, trends change almost, it feels like monthly. <laughs> it, 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 everything's changing and you really need to just uh, have an edge and, and be on your toes, uh, to be competitive and, and and not just competitive, but ultimately being able to provide a good service, right? For your clients and right? that's that's what they deserve, so. Yeah. Um, well, Bill, it was great having you on the show. Um, for you know, some of the people that are uh, listening to this and are interested in uh, taking that training that's coming in February, um, we, we are going to be, if you're part of our um, uh, sus subscription list, uh, we are going to be sending an email out uh, within the next couple of days uh, with more information on that training. It is also going to be available on our website. Uh, but is there any other location, Bill, that uh, they could also find it um, on your end to register? Yeah. They should go to uh, impactgeneral.com and find out everything you need to know about this upcoming class. And uh, it'll be front and center on my website, so easy to find. And uh, if you have any additional questions and would like to discuss this at all, feel free to give me a call. And my phone number is on the website, and uh, I'm available for that. Awesome. 
Great. Well, this is this is going to be good information uh, for uh, for everybody, and and you know, I we definitely encourage everybody to take advantage of that training because um, we don't see them often uh, being pushed out, and uh, and I think it's uh, you know it's it's certainly of of a lot of importance and a lot of great information there. So, Bill, it was great having you on the show, and um, yeah, well. Uh, Hopefully we can have you back uh, for another episode soon. I enjoyed this, Chris. Thank you very, very much for hosting this uh, podcast and all the hard work that you're doing. I, I think you're doing an excellent job. I appreciate that, Bill. Hey, Publish something, you're going to be notified right away. Thanks again. See you on the next one.